It began over 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. Every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands, strength, speed, agility, skill, grace, and courage. They did it to honor their gods, they did it to honor their kings, they did it to train their soldiers, they did it to compete, and they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is Coliseum Corner, the wrestling podcast where each and every Coliseum home video is reviewed. From the personalities and specialties to the best of the WWF and even the Collector Series. If you're looking for reviews of WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumbles, and SummerSlams, then look somewhere else because this is a trip down memory lane of your favorite videos. We review the good, the bad, and even sometimes the awful. Join Bill as he takes us down a memory lane adventure the likes of which no podcast has ever gone before. So sit back, relax, and listen to this fantastic podcast that we call Coliseum Corner. And here is Bill to start the show right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coliseum Corner. I'm your host, Bill Yankovey. Well, back again with another edition of the best of the WWF. And this time it is the best of the WWF Volume 6. Now, how good is this tape? Well, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. It's pretty darn good. Um, what, what can I say about this before really diving into it? There's so many positives about it that any negative is outweighed by the positives on this one. So let's dive right into the tape. Let's get into the best of the World Wrestling Federation, Volume 6. The videotape is hosted by Gorilla Monsoon, and why wouldn't it be since he's hosted the two previous videotapes? And he talks about how the World Wrestling Federation does a thousand shows a year. I'm not really sure if that number is true or not. In over 25 countries. And during this introduction, he talks about how not everything can be filmed on television. And he does mention the word sports entertainment. Never thought I'd hear that from Gorilla. But anyway, he gives us a lineup of the wrestlers that are going to be on this tape, which I won't spoil here. I'll let you guys hear who's on the tape. And at the end of the tape, they're going to give us a special address to send letters to the producer of Coliseum Video. And pardon me, I'm just going to say it right now. It is not the address that you would think it is. I'll just leave you at that. So, with all of that said, let's get into the matches. So the first match on our tape is Leaping Lanny Poffo against Terry Funk. Now, Terry Funk, at this point in time, relatively new in the World Wrestling Federation, been around for maybe about a month or so, maybe two months. 
And he's already going after the fans. He sees a couple of fans there holding a sign that says Terry Skunk. Then he goes after the ring attendant, Mel Phillips. Why? Well, because, you see, in a future video that I'll be reviewing... Mel Phillips puts Terry Funk's cowboy hat on his head. Big, big mistake. So let's talk about the match here. Terry Funk and Lanny Poffo. This is such a good, fun match. It's classic Terry Funk at his heel best. You have Lanny Poffo, who I think more and more are starting to realize how underrated of a talent he was, and it definitely shows in this match against Terry Funk. He goes hold for hold, move for move, does stretches, goes to the outside, fights Terry Funk. It's a good old-fashioned back-and-forth match. Lanny Poffo is the high flyer in this match for 1985, you know, the definition of high flyer. And... You know, he's doing kicks in the turnbuckle, and, you know, he's going right after Terry Funk. And I want to point out a spot in this match that it just grabs everybody's attention. So, Terry Funk is on the apron. He's trying to get himself together. Larry, or Larry, Lanny Poffo gets to him. Terry gives him a couple of shots. So Terry tries to suplex Lanny Poffo to the outside. He lifts him once, can't get him. Lifts him a second time, can't quite get him still. Lifts him a third time, he gets him up, and Lanny Poffo does manage to land on his feet, but he does take a nasty bump onto the concrete floor. And if you look at Lanny Poffo, he has this look where one eye is closed and he has another eye open, but the eye kind of wants to roll into the back of the head, but can't. It's like it's preventing itself. I'm not really sure how to really say it. You just have to see the, the look on Lanny Poffo's face. So we go a little bit further into the match, and Lanny Poffo is in a position to where he could win the match. He climbs up to the second rope and the top rope. He's got one foot on the second rope, one foot on the top or the top rope. Does a backflip, which late you know this is like an early version of the moonsault. He hits it, but only gets a two count. Then a couple of moments later. Lanny Poffo hits his version of a Frankensteiner. And he's only to, able to get two. And when Funk kicks out, Lanny accidentally clotheslines himself on the bottom rope. So Terry Funk puts a sleeper hold on Lanny Poffo. And these people, 20,000 people in Madison Square Garden, they're getting behind Lanny Poffo. They want him to come back into this match but it's just a little bit too much. Terry Funk gets the win, and then after the match, he brands Lanny Poffo. But a really good match from both Terry Funk and Lanny Poffo here. A young Lanny Poffo really showing off the potential that he does have in the World Wrestling Federation. Our next match, 
Gorilla Monsoon says is, what would a best of videotape be without Hulk Hogan? And I thought to myself, go back to the best of volume five, Gorilla. He wasn't on the tape. <laughs> so anyway, it is Hulk Hogan defending the WWF title against Randy Savage. And to the best of my knowledge, and I could be wrong here, this is the first time on Coliseum Video that we even hear a glimpse of real American. That's right. We've gone so many videotapes without hearing real American because, you know, for most of 85, you know, Hulk Hogan had Eye of the Tiger. Then the wrestling album comes out. And as everyone knows, originally Real American was going to be Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda's theme. But they leave and it's like, okay, we've got this song. Who can we give it to? Well, let's give it to Hulk Hogan. So it is Randy Savage challenging Hulk Hogan for the title. And early on in the match, Hulk Hogan shows his power, pushing Randy Savage out, out of the ring. And Randy's, you know, doing his stuff. He goes to the top rope, tries a cross-body block, but Hogan catches him and slams him to the floor. Now, every time Savage goes to the floor, Hulk Hogan goes after him. And every time he does it, he pulls Elizabeth in front of him. And this causes... Hogan to not go after Savage, you know, because Elizabeth's there. You don't want to hit a woman. So, eventually, Savage does get the momentum. He does get the advantage. And he, you know, he's doing all of his classic moves, the double axe handle, the kicks, can only get a two count. But Hogan manages to come back. Now, Elizabeth, this time, stands in front of Savage to protect him from Hogan. Hogan lifts Elizabeth up, moves her to the side so he could go after Savage. Now, we go a little bit further and we get to the end of the match because this is where things get a little bit crazy. Savage is arguing with the referee. Hogan is coming up from behind. He's going to hit Savage. Savage moves out of the way and he accidentally, Hogan, accidentally hits the referee. So Dick Kroll, who's the referee, is down. He is down. Savage, realizing what has happened, knocks Hogan out to the floor. He then goes and grabs the WWF title. He grabs it from, I, I think it was Howard Finkel. So then he goes to the top rope. He has the belt in possession. Jumps off hits Hogan behind the back with the belt. So Savage rolls back into the ring with... Oh, no, no, he doesn't have the belt with him. He, he The belt is on the floor, but he rolls back into the ring. He gets the referee up, and he starts to help the referee count Hulk Hogan out. While this is going on, we see that Hogan is bleeding. He's busted wide open. Not because of the belt. The belt hit him in the back. He didn't get hit in the face with the belt. Maybe when he hit the floor. I'm not really sure. So the referee manages to get himself together and he counts out Hulk Hogan. Randy Savage then goes to the outside, grabs the belt, 
tells Elizabeth to put the belt on him, and he's wearing the belt. Savage thinks he has won the title. So Howard Finkel goes, he makes the announcement that Randy Savage has indeed won the match. However, you cannot win a title by a countout, which is what happened. Hulk is still the champion. Savage then, for just no reason whatsoever, knocks the referee out. Then he goes, picks up Elizabeth, has Elizabeth on his shoulders, and he starts to go to the back with the belt. Well, here comes Hogan all of a sudden. Hogan is coming back, and he grabs Savage. So now he's got Savage. Elizabeth is in the back by this point. Savage is thrown back into the ring. Hogan goes in, and he grabs his belt. And he's going to take a big swing at Savage, but Savage ducks the shot, crawls out under the rope, and runs out of there before Hogan could do any damage. So Randy Savage gets a count-out win over Hulk Hogan, but does not win the title. So, now we go to a segment from the TNT show where we start off with Lord Alfred Hayes with Jesse the Body Ventura. And he's showing him a recent edition of the WWF magazine. And there's an article in there about Corporal Kirshner. And Jesse's like, well, you know, he's from the army. So he's a puke. You know, I, I was in the Navy SEALs and... Everyone knows that Navy SEALs could run circles around army guys. We run around circles around these pukes. And then this is where we go to Vince McMahon, who is in the audience. And when I mean by audience, I mean probably volunteers to be on the show or to be at the show. And the fans have questions for him. So the first fan is like, Hey, Jesse, why do you wear those ridiculous-looking clothes? And Jesse sits back, and he's like, Look, these aren't ridiculous, and my clothes could cost more than your car. So then we go to the second fan, and the second fan asks Jesse if Andrea Ward, who's an actress, I had to look this up, if Andrea Ward is jealous of Jesse Ventura being with Elizabeth. And Jesse's like, okay, first of all, I am not anywhere with Elizabeth. I do not have a relationship with Elizabeth. As far as Andrea Ward is concerned, I'm over her. I'm past her. So he's saying, you know, I've moved on from this woman. A Rachel Ward. I'm sorry. It's Rachel Ward, not Andrea Ward. It's Rachel Ward. Um, everyone's allowed to make a mistake. So now we go to this third guy. He's a older gentleman. I'd probably guess fifties, maybe sixties. I'm, I'm making an honest guess here. And he just starts rambling along because he's a Jesse Ventura fan. But then he just rambles on. Everybody is confused and it's like, uh, do you even know what he's saying, McMahon? It is just the most 
confusing, random thing in the world. And it's like, you just don't understand. I don't know where they got this gentleman from. I felt bad for him because it, it seems like maybe they were trying to get him to be this guy who's a Jesse Ventura fan, but he just rambles along for like 90 seconds, two minutes, and it just doesn't make any sense. So we move along, and we have a midget match as the Haiti Kid takes on Butch Cassidy. Now, everyone, I, I believe for the most part, knows who Haiti Kid is, but Butch Cassidy... Uh, not related to the Butch Cassidy that was with the Sundance Kid. He was actually one of the taller midget wrestlers. Gorilla Monsoon would always joke that, you know, if he gained a few more pounds, he might be kicked out of the division. That's how tall he was. And he's so tall that he's only a few inches shorter than the referee for the match, Gilberto Roman. That's how tall Butch Cassidy is. So, we have the match, and I'm going to be honest, this is a good match. This is a good match. Um, I mean, do you have, do you have the traditional spots of a midget match? Yeah, you do. You have, you know, the one guy kicking out, being caught by the referee, dropping him down, two count, you know, kick out, drop over and over again. You have that spot and you have the spin the guy on the head shtick. But these guys are actually going at it. They are really putting on a match here. And this is a very entertaining match. I really enjoyed this match. And the way Haiti Kid wins the match is they do a crisscross a couple of times. And then when Butch drops down, instead of dropping completely down flat on his stomach, he's on his fours. He's on all fours. Haiti Kid does a body scissors like spin into a sunset flip pin, and he gets the three count and the win. And it is so good. It is an entertaining match. And it, it's really good. I like I know the whole thought of at the time midget matches were either this is supposed to be for the kids or this is supposed to be like a break for everyone. But really Go out of your way to see this match if you can find the match. It is a really good match between Butch Cassidy and the Haiti Kid. Now we go into the archives where we see a very young, luscious Johnny Valiant in the ring where he is taking on Ivan Putsky. Now this match, I have it here uh, courtesy of ProWrestlingHistory.com. This match took place in 1979. So Ivan Putsky, he's built, but he's not the muscular built that we know of. He's got a beard. He's got a little bit of a gut. He's got a little bit of a belly, but it's not too bad. Johnny Valiant, on the other hand, and I'm not really sure if I'm going to detract people from this, from this statement, but he looks 
kind of like a young Jeff Jarrett, minus the mustache. He looks like a young Jeff Jarrett with the long hair and the tights. So this is a quick match. Um, it's pretty much all Ivan Putski. Valiant gets a couple shots in here and there, but it's really not much. Putski, he hits the Polish hammer on the Valiant. Then he does the big jumping splash where he goes feet first and lands butt first onto the chest to get the three count in the victory. Now, we've gone through in the many, many tapes here of Coliseum Video, uh, advice to the lovelorn. We've done a bunch of them. We've done Bobby Heenan. We've done Lou Albano. We've done Johnny Valiant. But none are as, how can I put this, flat then Lord Alfred Hayes and giving advice to the Lovelorn. So, Vince McMahon is there with, with his lordship. And he asks Lord Alfred Hayes, what does a British gentleman do on, a, on his first date with a, with a young lady? Well, what he does is he holds a maiden's hand, and he only holds it if he's wearing a glove. Okay. Well, what about what happens on the second date? Well, if we go on a second date, we probably would go to a picnic, and we would kiss the lady on the cheek, but it would be very briefly. It might be a little bit too much. It could be too much. So this is going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> you can tell by Vince. He's like, oh, God. So Vince is like, okay, look, we don't have all day. Let, let, let's go on to, like, say the fifth date. What happens then? Do we get any intimacy? So... You know, Alfred Hayes is like, oh, um, so you're saying if, like, they've been dating five, six months. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a gentleman does is he takes his arm and he puts it around the lady's shoulder. Yeah. Real good advice from Lord Alfred Hayes. And what I mean by that is, it's not good. So now we go to the finale of this tape, and I'm going to be honest, one of my pet peeves of these Coliseum videotapes and watching them is when we have a repeat of the same match. For example, back in Volume 5, we had the British Bulldogs against Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake, when it was already on the Tag Team Champions tape in the same series. However, this one is going to be an exception because it is Ricky Steamboat versus Cowboy Bob Orton. And I'm sure some of you that have been listening to all of these podcasts are like, wait a minute, 
Haven't you done this match already? Yes, I have. Go back to the best of the WWF Volume 3 for that review of the match. However, because this match is so good, I'm going to review this match again. And one of the things, and this is one of the biggest positives of this entire tape, and, and I wanted to save it till at least this point, you know, to get towards the end. One of the positives of this tape is you get all of these matches in their entirety. That's right. Every match on this tape is shown in its entirety. With the exception of this match. However, however, from where they pick up from, which is a couple minutes into the match, it's not really that far in, you get the duration of this match. That is how good this whole tape is. So, it is Steamboat and Orton. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Steamboat works on the arm on the arm of Orton. Orton comes back. He hits a head scissors on the Steamboat. Tries it a second time. Orton goes over the top rope. He even goes over the barricade. Grabs a fan's soda. Throws the soda into the eyes of Steamboat. And Gorilla Monsoon's like, Oh, if I was the referee, that'd have been a disqualification, Gene. And... You know, Orton gets control, but Steamboat comes back. He hits the crossbody block. One, two, Orton kicks out. And Gino, Gorilla Monsoon, and Gene Okerlund are loving this match. And for a great reason. This is an awesome, awesome match. So we get to the end where... Steamboat tries a move, and Orton moves out of the way. Orton then fixes his cast. We're still in the Bob Orton is wearing his cast days. He goes to the outside, climbs the top rope, jumps, hits Steamboat behind the back with the arm that has the cast. The referee had warned him on a couple of occasions, don't use that cast. Well, he did. Called for the bell. Cowboy Bob Orton is disqualified. Ricky Steamboat wins by disqualification. And then we go to the credits of the tape, and we get the extended version of the credits. And remember how I said in the beginning of this, that we would get a special address at the end of the tape. If you had suggestions, comments, ideas, well, they put it up there for us. And it's not the one that we're all used to. It's not 430 West 54th Street, New York, New York. No, 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 no. If you have a comment... Write to the producer, Coliseum Video, 13 Bolmuto Street, Suite 
207, Toronto, Canada, M as in Mary, 4Y1W4. And you know what? Out of curiosity, out of curiosity, I'm going to look up what is there now. So 13 Balmuto Street, Suite 207, Toronto, Canada, M4Y1W4. Let's see what's there. If there is anything, it, it might there might not be anything there. For all we know, uh, it is. I'm gonna see if I can't get this to be a little bigger. Oh, it's uh okay. It, it looks like I'm, I'm looking at the map here. I'm looking at the pictures. Uh, looks like it's a like a shopping area of Toronto. So it's not bad. It's not that bad. Um, it is near the Seven West Cafe and Bay Bloor Radio. Those are like the nearest places. Uh, there's a Chick-fil-A. Uh, you just have to go a little bit, not too far. I'm trying to see what else there may be. Um... Let's see, there's a Italy, Toronto, so that's Italian food. Uh, Gelato is on Charles Street East. Um, okay, so it's um, it's pretty much a business area. Stores and restaurants, that's pretty much what is there. Alright, well, hold on folks, we're not done yet, because there are three new exciting video cassettes on their way soon from Coliseum Home Video. Starting off with the best of the WWF Volume 7 and the feud that seems to never end between Bret Hart and Jim Neihart against the British Bulldogs. Then, by fan request after thousands of letters, it's Villains of the Squared Circle. We'll see individuals such as King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Bobby Heenan, Mr. Fuji, the Magnificent Morocco, Randy the Not-So-Macho Man Savage, those are Gorilla's words, Roddy Roddy Piper, and from the archives, Stan Stasiak, Ernie Ladd, and many more. And then finally, a look at the only wrestler given the nickname The Living Legend, Bruno Sammartino. We take a look at his career where he faces men such as Stan Hansen and Keller Kowalski, and then his return to the World Wrestling Federation where he faces younger competitors such as Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's the best of the WWF Volume 7, R Villains of the Squared Circle, and Bruno Sammartino, Wrestling's Living Legend. Those are the next three videotapes. All right. Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, the positives outweigh the negatives. And, and there really aren't that many negatives. Like, there really aren't. If there's any negatives, it would have to be the love advice segment 
with Lord Alfred Hayes. Did we really need that on this tape? Did we really need Lord Alfred Hayes' advice on love on this videotape? Other than that, this is, action-wise, one of the best videotapes Coliseum Video has put out at this point in time. You have five matches on this tape, which is not a lot. Four of them are shown in their entirety. That's the biggie right there. Four of the five are shown in its entirety. And the fifth one is so good that you don't even need the beginning of the match to see the match. That's how good it is. The Jesse Ventura bit, it was good until the old man went off the rails. Bless his soul. Uh, I'm not really sure if that man is alive or not. I'm going to take a wild guess and say he's not, but bless his soul. He tried his best on that one. It just, it just fell flat. It just did. But everything else on this tape was fantastic. The five matches is what, for me, sells this videotape. You get Terry Funk and Lanny Poffo, in a great Lanny Poffo match, by the way. You get the first time on home video of Savage and Hogan. Obviously, they had wrestled before this match that took place at Madison Square Garden. You have a midget match that ends up being very good. You have a short match with Ivan Putzky, and you end it with Steamboat and Orton. That is just really, really good. I would say, absolutely recommend this tape if you can find it. I don't care if it's, you know, by actual videotape, or if you know someone who's got it on a hard drive, or DVD, or Blu-ray, however you do it. Find a way to watch this. It is worth every penny to get this one. I really recommend the best of the WWF Volume 6. And surprisingly, this ends the sixth volume of this series. Now, obviously, uh, one of the rules here on this podcast is I do not do the pay-per-views. So, WrestleMania 2 is going to be skipped over. And the next videotape that I'm going to be reviewing is Villains of the Squared Circle. So, if you are a fan of the heels of the bad guys, this may be a videotape just for you. You guys might enjoy it. And I'm even going to tell you right now, there is one part in this video because I've seen it on the network. There's one part in the video that is not on the network. It is not on Peacock. It is not on the WWE Network. You guys, if you don't know it, you guys are going to find out on the next episode of Coliseum Corner. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Coliseum Corner. I'm Bill Yankovi, and there's no place like home. Coliseum home video. Goodbye, everybody.